my guest today, everything he says, uh, it's non-controversial. He's very much of a guy that likes to follow the rules. He, he is not a fan of ruffling the feathers. He's always walking on eggshells, worried about hurting other people's feelings. I mean, I don't know what other way to tell you about my guest today. It's Michael Malice. He's a free speech proponent. He's a anarchy philosophies and a lot of other philosophies that mainstream uh, folks uh, are not big fans of. He's written a book. Out of everybody you could have written a book about, he decides to write a book about Kim Jong-il because he was in North Korea for a week. And he's got a lot of other great stories. I have a feeling you're going to really enjoy this interview. With that being said, Michael, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. I'm really, really, really uh, irrationally excited about this. Irrationally excited about this. So here we go. So so most people think I'm a Jew, but you actually, you know, we started the conversation that way. Yeah, I mean, I got the full on. You at least have a nice note. Well, I got I got my taken care of. Oh, you, you know? did? Now now I can pass. I don't have your kind of money. I, 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 I also got uncircumcised. You did? <laughs> Twice. What 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 inspired <laughs> you to do that? Was it like a, a compliment from a female? Was it what was it? What influenced you to do that? I just I guess I don't get along too well with my family. Okay. So I'm like to, to heck with this. I'm gonna be a goy now. So so Michael, walk me through this. Like in your family, you you're you're from a good sized family, right? I mean you got no how, how my parents are my parents are both only children. Both of them are. Yeah. Okay. So it's not the typical typical family that you got a lot of cousins, you got a lot of uh, no, no, no. How so so your family reunions, your mom, your dad, and yourself? Well, grandma and my sister, but they're not all on speaking terms. So it's there's not gonna be much of a reunion. So yeah. is that is that a genetic genetic thing? Is the family pretty they're always debating, arguing? Like what was it like growing in the Malice family? I'm curious. Uh, it wasn't very nice. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people who have a Russian background will uh, appreciate that it is not very um, conducive towards children thriving. There's a lot of, like any, and this isn't extreme in my family situation, nor is it unique to my family situation, but in, you know, Russian households, any kind of uh, tenderness or kindness are used as opportunities for uh, harm. And anytime you, I mean, you laugh, but you think about this as a kid, you know, it gets to my you. My mother's side, they're from Baku. So you have to know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I need know. to tell you. Like, I've, I was raised yeah. around the Russian culture, so I relate. Compliment. Yeah. When you do get a compliment, you should take a note and document it because it may never happen again. And, and Right. And there's also the concept that when something potentially exciting happens to you, you're a businessman. I don't need to tell you how many times you had a meeting. It went great. Second meeting goes great. Nothing comes of it. Having that good first meeting or like having a good first date even if nothing comes of it, it's still fun and exciting, you know, whatever. But in a Russian household, as soon as you're like, oh, I met this girl or I had a job interview, don't get your hopes up, blah, blah, blah. And that mentality, I think, is very, very sinister. And it's very un-American in, in a bad sense. And it also is, you know, my family still can't wrap their heads around. My last book, The Anarchist Handbook, was the top nonfiction book in all of Amazon. I was out selling randos like Barack Obama and Oprah Winfrey, right? The point is, my family still doesn't understand how I can pay the rent if I don't go to an office. It makes literally no sense to them. So it, it's I, I do not have a good relationship with my family at all. 
and it takes a long time for any of us. I'm sure you have similarities, you know, with an Iranian background. It's that's no cakewalk to realize, oh, this isn't normal or conducive to life. This is really bad. And I have to do work to kind of uh, fix it. And what do you think about that? What, what do you think? Like, is your desires to uh, uh, find a way to get everybody together? Is it that I'm hopeless? It's never going to happen. Is it we'll see what's going to happen? Is it I've tried a million times? It's just not going to happen. They're too stubborn. How do you feel about the future of the family coming together? Uh, there's zero hope nor desire. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give you no, no, you, I'll, I'll give you an exactly what happened. I, on J July 12, 2010, my mentor, Harvey Picar, died on my birthday, right? And which was not fun, I can assure you, as I'm sure many I people bet. can imagine. Yeah. And one of the points I always make is I don't judge people by their political views. Like, I don't care. I judge someone if something bad happens in my family and I, to make that call, are you going to be, what do you need? Or, you know, you, or, that's all that matters. That's the mark of a good relationship. So seeing the reactions that I had at home when, you know, Harvey died on that day was very, very telling. And the point is, and I don't just mean my family, I mean friends as well. If you're not going to be there for me today, well, I, I don't need you at a party. There's no shortage of people I can be friendly with at a party. Like for me, the measure of a person in a relationship is when stuff hits the fan, are they going to be a reliable resource to make things better for you? And can you reciprocate? You know, I want to be of value to my friends and uh, associates yeah. and things like that. I want their lives to be better as a result of having known me, because what better compliment can you tell about a person than that he or she uh, uh, increases the thriving of everyone around them. This person's amazing. And we all have that capacity to some extent to be that person. Now, let me ask you, I grew up in a family. My mother's side, their Bible was Karl Marx, Communist Manifesto. They're oh, wow. communists, my mother's side. My dad's side, they're imperialists. They love the Shah of Iran. So it's, I mean, sure. my parents got a divorce twice in 20 years. So it's very obvious and proven. You should probably not get married to another person who's an imperialist or a communist. Mathematically, it's going to fail. But I'm glad they got married because I came after the second time they got married. <laughs> And it was okay. kind of like, let's try to make it work and boom. What were your parents' political beliefs and what kind of influence did that have on you growing up? Uh, that's a great question. I think when you are raised in a Soviet household, uh, you know, we spoke Russian at home, it had that mindset. In an, in, I mean, I came here when I was two in another country, you're going to perceive things in a very different light than things that people who grew up in a culture, country or culture take for granted. There's this um, analogy of two fish are in a river and one says, oh, the water's really warm today. And the other one goes, what's water, right? Because when we're in an environment for 100% of the time, yep. we become oblivious that that's the environment as opposed to just think it's the world or the norm. So uh, having an enormous amount of skepticism towards authority is something that I was taught at an extremely young age uh, you know, coming from the USSR, the idea that journalists or politicians have any kind of uh, correlation to the truth is not only false, but just a, a joke. You know, obviously, the Soviet Union is way, way, way more extreme and worse than the West. Uh, and let's make that perfectly clear. Pravda and the New York Times, I have my issues with the New York Times, but this is in many ways night and day, um, both as a function of the New York Times and as a function of the culture surrounding the New York Times and, and our, our liberal democracy. But things like that, things like having veneration towards agents of the state uh, is something that was completely foreign to my thinking. 
Uh, things like believing that everyone matters and has something to contribute is something that was foreign to my thinking, um, that every human being is special. So those are just kind of things that uh, are just, I was raised and have grown to reaffirm as an adult um, that I was taught as a kid that would be very different to American ears. Now, now let me ask you, you, when you ask your parents, mom, dad, why do we leave where we left? What did they tell you? Like, why do, why do we come to America? Why do we come? Because can I curse? Oh, of course, yeah. So, because Russia's a shithole. And it's also people in this country who complain about racism and all these other isms are, given your background, I need to tell you this, are completely oblivious to the amounts of prejudice and oppression and repression in other parts of the world. Uh, to be Jewish in the Soviet Union, you are never going to go a day that goes by when you're not reminded of this. You know, my dad would tell me the story of how he was in college and a college professor who, you know, we tend to think of as educated and informed and, and kind of uh, uh, classical liberal, put his hand on my dad's shoulder and told him, you're one of the good ones. So it's the kind of thing where it's, this is unimaginable to Americans that a professor would say something like this and genuinely trying to be complimentary Whereas, you know, it's, it's just really, um, you know, you're very kind of condescending and offensive. And at a certain point, they're like, why do I need this? Like, let's create a better life for my son, which they were instrumental in doing. And I am extremely grateful for them. You know, I'm a huge patriot uh, and I love this country. I hate the government because I love this country. I hate the government because I love this country. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this question. Your parents, they come, they're, you know, uh, you came here at two, so they were there, college, they grew up, you know, jobs, all that other stuff, they experienced it. But you come over here, what part of political beliefs do you agree with them, and which part do you guys clash in? Uh, we weren't talking politics when I was a kid much, right. obviously. You no, know, I'm talking I'm when not... you're here. Like, I'm talking, you become, I'm talking about the 18-year-old Michael. Now, you, I'm assuming you had strong opinions. What parts did you say, I agree with them? What part did you clash with? Uh, I never really talked politics at home. There were no clashes. Um, my parents both have this very uh, cynical skepticism view toward the state, uh, not to the extent that I do. But I can't think of anything where there would be a clash. And I, I, I find it hard to empathize, although I sympathize with people who go home for Thanksgiving and, for, and they haven't seen mom or dad in a while, and it becomes a political debate. That is so contrary to my constitution and how, if I'm going on a trip, right, I don't want strife with my loved ones. I want to catch up. Oh, you, this is your hobby. Tell me about your hobby. This is my job. This is who I'm dating, so on and so forth. There's enough of that nonsense on Twitter, and I don't engage in it. I'm not big on arguments. Uh, I'm big on shutting down discourse. So that I can't think of anything where that there was a big conflict about politics at all. If and even if they disagreed, it would be like, okay, you're just a dumb kid, like tongue in cheek. But it, you know, like ha ha ha. But it wasn't like uh, a f they were offended or there was some kind of drama. That's great to hear. I mean, I, I it's very great. I'm blessed in that regard. Yeah, no question about it. Because sometimes you know, it's it's a. Uh... I've seen the opposite and it can be pretty ugly you know, you, when you see the complete opposite of that. And it's so needlessly ugly. It's like, if this is your kid and th the question to me is, is this person happy or thriving, right? I have many friends who, I'm an anarchist. Most of my friends don't agree with me. Many of my friends, I don't know what their politics are. Why would I care? Like I've got a friend, this is what he does. He, this is what he does in his spare time. This is how he treats his wife. This is what we talk about at dinner. 
it makes no difference to me uh, if they're pro-life, pro-death penalty, pro-Iraq war. It, it, I mean, we could talk about it because this is my job, but it, it, in no way is it going to affect my impression of them as a person. The only way it would matter is they insisted on talking about it constantly, in which case it's like, this isn't going to work because I talk about it professionally. I just want to hang out and relax. Interesting. So when, the, when, the, when, the, when you take off the hat off, you know, what you're doing professionally, podcasts, all these other things, you kind of want to just kick back and just talk life rather than talk about what you talk about uh, on your podcast, politics. And, and the other thing is when you're talking to friends who this isn't their job, right? Like anyone who's a professional, like you were talking about my North Korea book. What happens is if you're at an event and, you know, what, oh, you're an author, what kind of books do you write? My book was on North Korea. And they start just for some reason, they have this spontaneous need to tell me everything that they know about North Korea. It's like, it's okay that you know nothing. This is not, you know, how what, what are the colors in a streetlight? This is the most cryptic hidden country on earth. I wrote the book because then you could be informed. But if you know nothing, that's perfectly fine. There's lots of things I know nothing about. And if I meet an author of that, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting or not. But that doesn't reflect on my character. As you know perfectly well, and more people should know, the smartest person is going to be ignorant of 99% of knowledge. Doesn't mean they're dumb. They just means, okay, I didn't study this. And, and that's perfectly fine. There's so much out there to learn. No question about it. So, Michael, give me your uh, philosophies. You say I'm an anarchist. <laughs> tell me. Tell me your core, like, I believe in this, I don't believe in this, I believe in this, I believe in this. Just kind of walk me through it. Okay, anarchism can be reduced to one sentence. Yes. You, do not you do not speak for me. Everything else is application. Okay, so that's the, the, there's your, your elevator pitch answer in one second. In terms of morals, I think it's just a function of uh, integrity, living according to your values, uh, be a resource to your allies, uh, and surround yourself with people who are making it happen because not only is luck rub off on you, but I am so glad that I have friends who are have made it because if I'm having a personal problem, maybe they're not in my industry, but they're still dealing with similar problems. Then you could pick the phone and now they're delighted. And I'm sure you are with your friends. It's like, I've been dealing with this crap for years. I figured things out. Fine, now I can ameliorate your headaches and suffering by just giving you 30 seconds of my time. So that's kind of the, the mindset I'm working What's with. What's the biggest uh, area uh, of, of aspect of your philosophy they get pushback with? Which part of it? Oh, if there were no government monopoly and police, you would be uh, raped and murdered immediately. And what do you think about that? Why don't I have a gun? <laughs> Why can't I hire a bodyguard? Why can't I get a security system? It, it's a very bizarre and... If someone's coming to break in my house right now, the cops aren't gonna do anything anyway. How am I getting to the phone? So it's a very um, weird scenario they construct because the, the argument is apparently under an anarchist system, all combat is one-on-one -on -one and weapons don't exist. Got it. So for what you believe in, you you don't believe in defunding the police. You just believe we don't need cops, right? Is that well, we don't need a government monopoly on cops. You certainly need security. But in the same way that if the government didn't produce clothing, we wouldn't all be naked. Uh, if you didn't have a monopoly and any monopoly, if you have a monopoly on a product, it's always going to be delivered inefficiently, poorly, and almost inevitably at the cost of human life. Whereas if you had choice and if you had options, uh, you would have innovation and you would have solutions instead of having a system where the problems are perpetuated uh, for the sake of those in power. So if you have an anarchy, you don't have a government that has a monopoly on cops, 
right? right? Which means they control that. But if you have an anarchy, in an anarchy, what does the government look like? How limited is it? Or is it not? There's no, there's no government. That's what anarchy is. Yeah. Okay. So if there's no government and everybody is, everybody is running on their own. Give me an example of when that worked effectively, anarchy. When you returned a sweater to the department store. When you returned a sweater to the department store. Yes, you had a conflict. Yeah. Neither of you is in a position of authority over one another. And the conflict was resolved amicably and peacefully in seconds. Now, if I'm involving the government and there's a conflict, I have to pay a lawyer, which is exorbitant, gonna cost more than a surgeon, and the outcome will be uncertain, but what we're certain of, it's going to take a very long time. So that is one difference between how the market sol and freedom solves for disputes as opposed to having it go through the state. I guess what I'm asking is give me a country that had a system of anarchy that did very well for you know a handful of decades. First of all, you're not gonna have an anarchist country by definition. Right. Second of all, I can give you several examples like medieval Iceland and medieval Ireland, which had it for a thousand years, far longer than the constitution. I don't think that's a valid question for several reasons. One is just because it worked in Iceland and Ireland doesn't mean it's gonna work in 2021. And just because it hasn't happened anywhere previously doesn't mean it's gonna be working in 2021 either. One example of this is the internet, right? Before the internet, if you sat down and posited the internet, it would sound maybe if not crazy, certainly hard to wrap your head around. We would have no idea what websites would look like, but at the same time, this something that ended up happening has now become a universal fraction of human life. So anarchism isn't a location, it's a relationship. And it simply means that one of the, or that none of the parties claims authority or has authority over one another. So every country on earth right now is in a state of anarchy toward one another. Every country right now in the world right now is a state of anarchy towards one another. Every country right. in the world right now is a state of anarchy. Okay, um, so let's go, let's go a, a, a little bit deeper. So uh, meaning there's not gonna be a country with anarchy because if there's anarchy, there is no country. So there means there's no right. borders, there is no, so then how do you deal with property? How do you deal with ownership? How do you deal with community? How do you deal with, so is there laws and regulations in the world that you visualize? Is there laws and regulations there? There would be certainly rules. And for example, if I am part of a um, gated community, right? There are certain rules that I have chosen to by living there uh, um, ascribe to. And for example, Macy's, the earlier example, Macy's has many grounds on which I can't enter the store. If I'm not wearing shirts, if I'm not wearing shoes, if I can't, if I'm blasting music. So what it would do is to, it would maximize freedom and everyone who has dominion over their own property would be the one setting those rules uh, as he or she sees fit. How, how security would be provided is the same way that fashion would be provided. You would have many different outlets uh, selling their wares and whoever wanted to. What people, another common criticism is like, what if you're poor right and then you can't afford security you're just going to get killed on the street well security look at look at a bar right a bar is filled with young drunk males full of testosterone often itching for a fight there's no cop there but there's a bouncer and the bouncer's job is to make sure that things don't get out of hand and the bouncer's job is to make sure that some people can't even get in to begin with and to keep the proportions of the genders in the bar at a certain level if you had a private society uh, security wouldn't be a function necessarily of the individual. You would also have security over areas just like you have at Macy's or at a bar right now. And the problem is when the government monopoly is in charge security, that is where crime is allowed to happen. And if you think about the places you're most likely to be the victim of an assault, it's things like alleyways, 
streets, the subway, all areas where the government monopoly is in charge of security. Whereas if you think of a place like a bar or a hotel where everyone is a stranger to that area and is not gonna be able to be tracked down too easily, those are much safer uh, than public venues. Yeah, so, so then, then the priority of what things you have to get good at, if it's anarchy with no government, self-defense becomes a very high priority why why wouldn't it because if if i have a non-regulatory environment without law and order you have order order based on who though based on community right based on individuals not based on sure and i don't have to agree with the order that you come up with because my set of orders may be different than yours no correct correct so then so then the, the part becomes if we're living on two sets of orders i don't have to be a loyalist to your set of orders so Correct. our orders then may clash. And if our orders clash, then how the hell do we cooperate? How do we have, what happens right now if I rear end you and we have different insurance companies? I, the first thing you do is I ask you for your license. You ask me for your money, for mine. Right. There's a mechanism, right? There's a, I get right. your driver's, if you run off, I take a picture of your driver's license, let's just say, but you say, hey, can we work this out? Great, here's my insurance card and we exchange information. Right, the the the, the possibility that it gets violent yeah. sometimes happens, people get hot-headed. Yeah. My God, my Ferrari. But when you say over 99% of the time, even if it's antagonistic, it's not reaching the point where violence is escalating. That oh, We see car accidents all the time, it never becomes violent or, or deadly. And that's not simply a function of, oh, I'm gonna go to jail, it's because I just want this resolved, I wanna get out of my life, I hate this guy, I want him out of my sight. This would be the exact same principle applied on a person or location basis. You would have your security agency, I would have mine, we have a dispute, if you want to go to fisticuffs, just like right now, I can't really stop you. I mean, although I would be armed. On the other hand, what we could do is, I hate you, Pat. I hate you, Michael. We're going to let our security people take care of it, and they're going to take the steps as appropriate. What if I don't have the money to pay my security people? Well, that's that's. what if you don't have the money to pay for car insurance? What happens then? Well, you know, the difference is if I pay for car insurance, the cost isn't as much as me needing to like car insurance, I can do it for 60 bucks, 100 bucks, 150 bucks. I'm sure. Still, I'm still, uh, 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 look, I, you got to realize I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more on your side. I'm just trying to break it apart. Like for me, let me tell you, let me tell you how I am. Like uh, uh, my kids play outside. The other day, my kids climbed on top of the house. And let me tell you this house, like, I don't even know what the hell they did. My wife says, babe, you have to see this. My wife is 38 and a half weeks pregnant. She says, come take a look at what they did. So I'm like, babe, these guys, Melba showed it to me, my nanny. They walk to the second floor. They open the door. And, you know, in our house, when the door opens, ding, ding, you hear the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The door is open. So they go up. They climb on top of the ceiling. They're 30 feet up. And then they come back down, and everyone's panicking. And I say, babe, what are you going to do about it? I mean, honestly, you think we tell them don't do it? Do you don't think they're going to do right, it? Right. So I'm more, I'm the guy that, you know, my, my wife and my nanny, they walk the dogs with leashes. I like to walk the dogs and we just kind of, you know, figure now, don't get me wrong. If I had a German shepherd or a pit bull, I probably cannot do that, but I'm more leaning towards, I let's, let's kind of give you a little bit more freedom. So you're willing to be more loyal to me than, Hey, come here. You better do this. So I'm leaning towards that side, but there's also part of it where who wins in a situation like that, whoever has more money, like even today, but, but that's, but that's the current status. See the, what are presented as the strongest, sorry to interrupt you. What are presented as the strongest arguments are against anarchism are inevitably descriptions of the status quo. Even today, if I'm rich 
OJ Simpson is a good example. I have better lawyers. I'm going to be able to get away with a lot. Jeffrey Epstein's another one. I'm going to be able to get away with a lot more than a poor person will. This concept of equality under the law makes no sense if you think about it for five seconds. Under the law, rich people and powerful people are always going to have access to both reputation, so they're going to be regarded better by the jury, or possibly worse if the jury has an animus against rich and powerful people. But at the very least, I will have access to better lawyers. Now, the law, there's an essay in the book by uh, Hasness, who is a Georgetown law professor, uh, called The Myth of Objective Law. And he points out this concept that law can be applied objectively makes no sense even for three seconds if you think about it. The law is always inevitably subject to interpretation. And it is the job of lawyers as a class, and this is a condemnation of lawyers, to take what is written in plain English and to twist it so it forces the result that your client regards as desirable. So these are all problems that at the very, 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 very least are extremely expensive and time-consuming. And this demonstrates, if you ask someone, how often had you had a problem with someone on eBay? How often you had a problem with Starbucks or Macy's or a friend? And how often you had a lawsuit? If lawsuits were an effective mechanism of adjudicating disputes, then people would be doing a lot more frequently in the same way that they return their clothes very frequently. Because it'd be something that's like, okay, even if I lose, I'm gonna have my answer within a day or two. As now, you're losing years of your life and tens of thousands of dollars, what to, which makes it not a possibility for most people in terms of adjudicating and solving disputes, which is something we all desperately need. Michael, you think uh, 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 most people have good intentions? I don't think most people have minds, so they don't have good or bad intentions. They're, they're working at an animal level. So you don't think most people have minds? Okay, so let's go based on that. If you don't please believe most people have minds, what percentage of people you think are emotional and irrational? I don't wouldn't say irrational. Yeah. I would say non-rational okay. because irrational is like a crazy person who's acting erratically. Yeah. Uh, they act in predictable patterns, but they're they've been they have either lacked the capacity or had it been trained out of them in in schooling and in in the media to uh, forestall critical thought. As a as a individual, let's just say there's the four different types of personalities: those who are extremely structured, organized, those who are extremely technical, analytical, those who are extremely action-oriented, ambitious, and those who are all about relationship love, which one of those four would you put yourself as? Structure? Organized, the second one. Technical, analytical? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I would agree with you that you're technical, analytical. Okay. Uh, would you say you are a pretty independent guy? Are you an independent? Yes. Okay. You're 1976, July something, right? You're, you're a 1976 person. We're two years apart. I'm 42. I don't know. If you you're about to turn, you're about to turn 45. Five, I'm about yeah. to turn 43 in a couple months. I'm after you, right? But we're right next to each other, age-wise, same age we are. Yeah. Um, you know, a long time ago, and and I want you to tear apart my argument here. What I'm about to tell you, long time ago, I'm 25, 26 years old, and you know, I'm like, Dad, I believe anybody can have their dreams become a reality, and I'm an optimist, and I just believe. My dad's like, stop it. I'm like, no. So, you know, this guy comes at the house, into the house and, you know, every time he sees this guy, the guy's gained 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds. Over a span of like a, you know, five years, that guy gains 80 pounds. One of my friends, he gains 80 pounds, right? And he says, it's because of business. You know, we work so hard and I put on 80 pounds and I'm like, but I believe he can change. I believe he can. It's one of my best friends. I believe he can change. I believe he can change. And we have this clash, my, my dad and I. He finally says, do you think everybody is as independent 
as you are? You think everybody can go, you know, survive for themselves and be independent? Some people need to be led and managed and, you know, directed to go. Some people need rules and regulations and guidelines. Some people need eight to five. Some people need uh, that, that part being in place. Some people don't. So, so the part becomes, do you think sometimes you think because you would exist in a anarchy type of an environment, you and I probably would be fine. But yes. do you think everybody else is like you? No, God, no. Um, but and, and that's why I don't think I should be living on their terms. By the way, what you just said, I agree with everything. That doesn't make them a bad person. No, I never said they were a bad person. I, 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 no, I just want to be clear for them, yeah, not me or your friend. It's not, of course. I think a lot of people yeah. uh, who are maybe wired like you and I see someone who needs rules and regulations and tend to be dismissive or contemptuous of them. It's like, no, no, this is how this person's wired. And you, Pat and me, are going to be extremely frustrated if you believe what we're taught at school that everyone thinks the same and everyone's wired the same. That is completely inaccurate. Uh, and just because they're wired differently doesn't mean bad things should happen to them or they shouldn't thrive. This is just their path. But neither does it mean that just because there's a lot of people who are like your friend that should have any kind of impetus or impact. I don't know why I just said impetus, any kind of impact on me and my uh, personal choices and preferences. It seems like every podcast I've been doing, I've been using the same quote, but it's such a good one. H.L. Mencken, who, if people don't know who he is, should really look him up. He was a great uh, newspaper man in the early 20th century, the, one of the first American uh, wits. He had the quote that the average man does not want to be free. He merely wants to be safe. And I think we see that constantly. Do you believe uh, that? Oh, I mean, how can you not believe that? You just say, it's just like your friend, you said, he, he needs his rules and regulations. He doesn't want choice. But how does the he average would, man then survive in an anarchy? Well, I'm not, I'm concerned about me and I'm concerned about the above average. Now in an anarchy, they, it would be same thing here. They would just hire security. They would not be a target because they're not sticking out. They're going to their jobs. They're coming home. They're watching Big Bang Theory. Uh, they're upset by things that they're told to be upset about and they go to bed and they would have perfectly healthy, peaceful lives. Yeah, so you said, I'm concerned about me, not the other person. So Not that type of person, correct. That type of person. But in an anarchy, what is the responsibility of you being concerned about others? Zero, right? It's not just like just like just like in the just like in real life. Just like in real life. Just like now. I I, I have I wish your friend well. Yeah. But he has no claim on my sure. person. What I didn't even know he kids? existed. Do you have any kids or not no. yet? You know, not yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, philosophically, I'm on your side. Philosophically, I live by what you say. Like, I don't need anybody to help me. I got it. I'm going to do my part. But at the same time, I know if I want to do something big, I need the help of others because I need sure. support. I need all this other stuff, right? Right, and, of course. And, and but to, to say, like, if I, if I was to put everybody in the same room together, let's just say we put 100 people in the room and we're gauging you against 100 other people. You're probably going to be in the top one percentile or whatever number that we use sure. for intelligence and technical and analytical. You're going to be you're going to school the hell out of everybody. Right. Which means what? OK, you'll probably be able to maneuver better, find a better solution. You'll probably be better at synchronizing your well, at what stage of sequencing your next 5, 10, 15 moves versus another person. I don't know what to do. You know what? I just like Michael. I follow Michael. Where are we going? Right. But then if I said, hey, we're going to do a fist fight, you may be like, dude, I don't know if I want to do a fist fight. I'm not in the top 1%. But there's, it's that there's just one big guy that's just thick and books. You may lose in that area. 
So yeah, I definitely lose. Yeah. So so all I'm saying is, it makes sense, but brother, the the strong people who are driven by ego and extreme. But, there, but there's ninety nine of there's ninety nine of us and one of him. Why am I fighting him one on one? Why don't I have a gun? Why can't I hire a bigger guy? Okay, so in your environment, you would be okay with having guns. Everybody, so Second Amendment, everyone can have a gun. Whatever you want to do, you can have a gun. Of course. Okay, so in anarchy, everybody wouldn't own a gun. So let's just- If they wanted to, they not everyone would have one. They'd have the ability to get one, but maybe not even true because there's certainly it's certainly possible that gun stores would say, you'd have a rep, you know, eBay, right? You have a reputation store, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you have a certain rating, you might have a card and this gun store will say, unless you have a certain reputational score that you can demonstrate to me, I don't feel comfortable selling you firearms. And that's the case now. Uh, I'm not a gun owner, but if you go to gun stores, by and large, they're very cognizant of the dangers of what they're selling. And they do want to uh, create a peaceful community and not just uh, you know warfare. Michael, how do you handle ownership? Like I own my car, that's my car in an anarchy. That's my house, that's my land. How do I manage for you to not come and take it away from me? Say, what's stopping me now? Rules and uh, laws and order, law and order. No, not really. Like if I could, if I could go to your, let's pretend I'm at your house right now. You ever been to okay? jail before? No, I, but let me give you an example. I'm at your house right now. Yeah. There's books behind you. Yeah. I am sure that I, if I could get, if I was there, I could take one of those books and you wouldn't know. Or if you did know, yeah. how are you going to get yeah. it back, right? Sure. It would never enter my head. Now let's talk about bigger things. Let's suppose I could somehow steal your house, right? And not, uh, somehow get away with or your car is an easier one because cars are portable you would have a security uh your, either your insurance or your security company their job would be to return the car something the police are completely incapable of doing and don't even pretend to have an interest in doing ask anyone who's ever been burglarized the cops show up they, they there's not if you watch sitcoms right even in sitcoms where everything's completely imaginary when a character is robbed and the cops show up, the cops don't even pretend they're going to get your stuff back. They're like, oh, we'll take down a report and nothing ever happens. Even this completely imaginary world. Let's, so let's talk about anarchism. I go and I steal your car. Yep. Well, either your insurance provider or your security provider would, for a fee, return that car to you or you, they would uh, pay you back in terms of like having a homeowner's insurance. Uh, and that is how the different firms would compete. Unlike now, where you have a government monopoly, and the government monopoly doesn't even pretend to provide you the service that you're paying much more money than you would be paying yeah. to a, a private firm like our bounty hunter. So to me, okay, let me let me respond to that. So to me, I I live in life of odds. And here's what I mean by odds. You're sitting sure. with somebody and you want to marry somebody. Like, let me tell you, um, you've had one too many boyfriends. Yeah, yep. You know how you're sitting across the table and you're not saying it. You're just thinking. You're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, you told me you've been with 10 guys. I'm willing to bet you probably went a lot more. A couple of times you were drunk, and I don't know who those guys are. Hopefully, you've not been with anybody I know. Maybe if you have, would I ever know about it? And have you ever done this? Have you ever kissed a girl? Have you ever fooled around with that? How bad of a money issue do you have? Let's just say sexual transmitted disease. That are, you're calculating all this stuff. Yeah, you your never, temper. What? Yeah. You never yeah. tell the other person, but we do. And she says, eh, I don't know about you right now. You seem a little reckless and you were a little too close to your exes in the past and they always call you and your mom is this and your dad is this. I don't know. This is a little, but you know what? I think there's a 40% chance this marriage is going to work out. Screw it. Let's do it. Right. So it's fine, yeah, right? correct. So, so for me, I, agree. I think of odds and that's how I'm wired. You stealing a uh, book without me knowing about it. Great. But if you take it and say, I'm taking this book, I can say shit to this guy. He's more powerful than me. Okay, go ahead. So that's an aspect of bullying, right? So, but 
the guy that's a criminal, like, you know how they say, Sammy the Gravano once told me, look, you can take guns from good people. No matter who you take guns away from, I promise you a bad person, like, yep. I'm still going to have a gun. There's nothing yeah, yeah. you can uh, do about bad people having guns and criminals having guns. He's right. Wait, can I say one of the yeah. more thing that's important here? Yeah. Not only is he going to have guns, he's going to have friends in the police department who are going to make sure he doesn't get trouble. Sure. And, and, and again, I think yes, too. But the part I go to is, when you're sitting there, sitting there, you're like, Shh, I'm going to I'm going to steal this guy's car, let's just say if I get caught in today. If I get caught, I'm going to be facing three years in jail. I got a kid at the house. Do I really want to do it? Ah, you know what? I was thinking about it. I'm not. There's a lot of things in our lives we were about to do that were stupid thought. Maybe you haven't, but many of us. Sure. Have. No, I you're absolutely. Like, dude, I'm about to do something real stupid. And in your mind, you're like, what is it? You know what? No, I'm going to move on. Right. So that's the part where I think law and order eliminates maybe 10% of crimes and stupidity. Here, that here's happen without it. What's your argument to that? Uh, it's quite the opposite. What you are calling, first of all, it's not order at all, but what you're calling law, in fact, in encourages this kind of behavior. And I'll give you one good example. Uh, if, uh, if, you had a credit score like eBay or something like that, or your Hyperion, uh, whatever, wherever account for your credit cards. Um, that right is a chance. They ca there's different. Not only is that the market provide at least three credit firms, so they each have different mechanisms. That tells me, and I can look up mine, and you can look up yours. Sure. What are the odds if I lend this guy money? Yeah. Historically, based on his past behavior, that he's going to repay it, that he's a good risk. It's always going to be a risk. It's never 100%, even if it's Bill Gates, and it's never 0%, right? Now, if you are a car robber and have been arrested, and I go, you come in for my company and I interview you, it is illegal now for me to ask you if you've ever gone to jail and committed crimes. So I have no way of running a background check. Whereas in a free society, these kinds of things that you've done will follow you around for quite a long time. I don't think jail is a very big deterrent, but I think reputation is a much stronger deterrent and a much more peaceful deterrent uh, um, than something like the threat of three years in jail. Because a lot of these criminals know perfectly well that they're not going to be doing much time. And if they are doing time, they don't really care about it. Okay partially agree on the jail side because there's a lot of people nowadays that are wanting to go to jail because it's a lot sure. better than the current situation they're in but and their friends are there sure but the difference is you probably wouldn't like to go to jail you you probably wouldn't like to go yeah to jail. i think i think the odds of that are 100 yeah so the point is, <laughs> so the point is but th that gets a guy like you to say you know what you know no it doesn't well i wouldn't i'm not thinking of robbing your car except for jail that's not i don't even know how to drive yeah, but, but okay, so maybe, maybe not. Okay, so let me give you a different example here. My mother and her brother, late brother, her brother just died a couple of years ago. God bless his soul. I, he always brought me caviar late at night, and we had great. I love caviar. You know, I grew up on caviar. They used to make fun of me in elementary you school. And I I don't... I'm a die. Yeah. Probably there's so much fish eggs in my body. I, I'm probably semi fish right now. I don't know, but so, so. Or you're pregnant. <laughs> one of those two. I'm definitely pregnant with fish somewhere in there, but you know, my, 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 great-grandfather was very well off okay he was okay. the only one on my mother's side that was not a communist he was a worker and they all were like yeah but 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 and he wanted everybody to work but they kind of were like oh grandpa's so rich he had a nice house waterfront all this other stuff that he earned that he earned personally. that he earned, earned. make that uh -huh. clear yes so then he dies okay money goes to his kids and then 
my grandfather, my grandmother, the money from there gets rolled down and they're about to, uh, they die. And that money that gets passed down, gets passed down to my mom's brother, uncle. It's about a half a million US dollars, which in Iran, it's a lot of money. It's in US, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of money, but in Iran, it's a lot of money. My uncle was a very strong personality, physical man that pushed his weight around, was a boxer. Like you did not want to mess with this. It was a tough guy. He was a bootlegger back in the days. That's how he made his money because bootlegging was illegal in Iran. Still is still today. So it was a business model. My mom never saw a penny, penny of that money right there because he just okay. said, I'm not going to give it to you. I'll take care of you, but I'm not going to give it to you. There's nothing my mother could do to get my the money from my uh, uh, uncle because it's like, what are you going to do about it? It's my money. Say something. Do something. So I think naturally there will be a lot of people that will be abused by those you remember back in the days they would make fun of capitalists and they would show all capitalist pictures as what? You know those pictures. Fat guys, yeah, yeah. Fat guys with the big belly. And now these capitalists are like six-pack, cut up like shit. I thought capitalists were supposed to be fat, lazy, you know, guys that just took the money and they went around. And there used to be a time where that was the case, where it's like just money being passed down and the next money, the next one. So it's like, so hey, you better not do this or else. Yeah, I don't care. You're, you're. So people know how to kind of throw their weight and bully the little guy. My concern is in an environment like that, it may give birth to a lot of bullies. What do you think? That is the status quo. You're describing pretty much not only every politician, but the behavior of the vast majority of low status people during the lockdowns, which gave them an excuse to assert dominance and rank over those who they were told and regarded as their subordinates and inferiors, number one. Number two is you don't want that bully uh, which would 100% exist under anarchism. Let me make that clear. What you're describing as a personality type it has been here for thousands of years. They probably wrote yeah. about it in the Old Testament. Yeah. They're going to be writing about it in 4,000 years. That's not changing. I, I, I'm not one. Your communist relatives have the complete delusion that if they structure society a certain way, it's going to change human nature and not only make them change, but it's also going to make them uniform. This is completely nonsensical. If you look at a dog litter, you're going to have different personalities there. So the claim that some a mind as complex as a human being is all going to be able to think in the same way, it just makes no sense on any level, number one. What you want is to have power be as decentralized as possible so that bully who is going to be drawn to power in the same way that, let's suppose, a musical theater graduate is going to be drawn to Broadway, you want to limit his capacity to be able to enforce his will on others. And the way to do that is to maximize choice, opportunity, and competition, which is what freedom allows. Under the current system, there are very many mechanisms in America for this guy. And I'm not going to talk about your uncle. I don't want to talk about your family. Let's suppose your uncle on steroids, just a really jerk, like a horrible human being. You wouldn't get along with him. There are so many venues right now, thanks to the state, where this person can put their will into power and have literally deadly consequences. I would want to return it to a situation which is not utopia, but certainly where the worst thing this guy could do is beat somebody up, which is something that's inevitable. A big dude will always have that capacity. You're not going to be able to take it away unless you're literally living in the matrix. So what I want to do is to minimize his ability to impose his will on large groups of people. And I don't think that's necessarily a function of his size. I mean, there's plenty of small dudes and women who revel in having that sense of domination and authority over others. And I want to cut out the, pull out the rug from under them.
Yeah. I mean, anyone who's been married knows perfectly well that it's not about size in terms of who's going to be dominating who necessarily. I don't think it's size. I think it's a, yeah. I think it's an aura. I think it's a personality of the individual. I know of a lot course. Of guys that are nice guys. And I know. Of course, the kindest. Vice versa yeah. with small guys. So uh, uh, I guess- Small guys are usually jerks much more than big guys because we can get away with it. Yeah. Like this is what people don't appreciate. Like they'll say, oh, under anarchism, you get your ass kicked. It's a lot easier for me to shove a dude I'm, I'm five, uh, whatever. Then if a six foot four guy comes up to me at a bar and shoves me, he's in a lot of trouble because not only is immediately everyone jumping on him and pulling him away, good luck telling whatever the, in this case, it would be the police in another society it would be a security system. Good luck telling them that I started it. You're six, four, you have the obligation to walk away uh, is how it tends to work. Sounds like you have experience with that. I don't know if that's it. A- I don't, I've, I, I actually have been so bad at getting into fights. I got, I made my friend do a fight club with me. So I know what it's like. I had a guy, uh, I had a sergeant of mine in the army. This guy was a freaking nutcase, but I loved him. We would go to bars. He was five six, maybe 120 pounds on a good day. The yeah. rain, maybe 125, and he would go talk shit to everybody. Yeah. He would, you motherfuckers, I dare you, throw a punch and all this other. Stuff. And then he get into a fight and would say, "That's my friend right there." And then he would, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh, this freaking guy." So we get into fights. He would be out of. I'm like, this nutcase. He got us in trouble all the time. But again, till today, I'm friends with them and I love the guy. Let me, but it's let me, also let me, if you look at let me just one more point. Yeah. If you look at dogs. It's the small ones that tend to be the aggressive Wilder. ones because they just, yep. yeah. Yep, I agree. So so let me ask you a question. Give me a step pre-anarchy. Like, let's just say we're not going to go full anarchy, hypothetically. Sure. Because now I get the fact that you're an anarchist, you believe in that. The chances of that happening in America anytime soon is slim to none of happening that. I think it's 100%. That it's going to happen. Yes. Okay. So before we go to the argument of 100%. Which and let me up, just make, let me, me clarify what I mean. By 100%, I don't mean that the federal government is going to be abolished, but I do think there is a 100% chance within the next, let's suppose, 100 years that there will be space for people to live free without the threat of the state over their heads. It doesn't have to be all of America. But that's not 100% anarchy, though. You're talking- Well, no, it would be a, a, not worldwide, no, but no, I'm saying I, I that get this- that. So, so you're talking about, are you talking about like a John Galt, Ayn Rand type of a setting? Is that kind of what you're thinking about where they're going to create their own uh, uh, place where everybody kind of leaves each other alone and we don't have law and order? We just trust the fact that you're going to improve, I'm going to improve, and we're going to attract only people that you, are you, like us? You have to get it out of your head that anarchism is no law and order. Uh, anarchism is the mother of order. When people engage voluntarily- But law and, and order make, is based on individuals. It's not based on a right. government. When people were, so it's, I, when, I would probably word it more values and principles, less law and order. Right, because you, this is a good example. You have a show, you invited me on, we negotiated times, we negotiate how long it's going to take. The possibility of this getting violent was literally zero. Uh, we wish each other well, and we came to a mutual agreement. So there's many examples of day-to-day basis where people come to agreement and set up, and the rules is it's your show. And you run it like you want. And if you tell me to shut up, I either shut up or you cut me off or you hang up, you know, whatever it is. You're the one who's in a position to impose your rules. But there's no real law here whatsoever. It's something that we have spontaneously. And we do this on a day-to-day basis with everyone we encounter, have a mutually agreed upon negotiation based on certain parameters that we also mutually agree upon. Yeah, there's a big difference. But this is understanding, mutual understanding 
almost like a code that we live by. Exactly. Then, but but law and order is on paper. I got to follow that law and order. In an anarchy, there's not going to be a law and order. It's going to be mutual understandings that we have. And if I don't like the way you handle yourself, you and I are probably never going to do business together. And I'm going to go my way. You're going to go your own way. So, and we'll and we wish each other well. So, what comes before anarchy? What's before anarchy? In your eyes, a libertarian? What what is before uh, anarchy? I, I don't think it's a gradual process. I think it's going to be a, somewhat of a binary process. But I think what needs to happen first is a increase in the skepticism and contempt for the state and its actors. So I think when you're seeing what's very healthy in this country as a phenomenon, especially on internet circles, is enormous amount of skepticism, if not contempt, toward corporate media, uh, a recognition that just because someone was elected to office, the the claim that they should have some kind of say over your life or your person is bizarre, if not nonsensical. Uh, those are two kind of, and also an, a very, uh, this is the one I'm most excited about, and strongly increased skepticism towards war as a mechanism of resolving human disputes. I think we've seen that happen in the last 20 years, shift very, very hard, and I'm very, very excited to see that happen. Michael, you ever see this, uh, the, when, when there's elections and you know, Melissa Milano will come out and say, I swear to God, if Trump gets elected, I'm leaving the country, I'm going to Canada, or I'm going this, right? Or, hey, you know, another person comes out and says, hey, if, if Biden gets elected, I'm leaving. Everybody says that stuff from both sides. No, no, it's not both sides. It's always the Democrats. I would say 90% is Democrats, but I've heard yeah. people also, also say it on the right side. There are people. But they're, sure. No, they will. It's just not bigger names, but people say, there's no way I'm staying here. Sure, on sure. Believe me, I live in Florida. I, I look at yachts going past my house every single day, thousand of them every day, boats and yachts that go by. Trump flag is 99% of the time to Trump flag. Oh, Trump, sure, Trump I'm flag. sure. But, but my point my point is, I, I, I think there was an asymmetry in that the people who disliked Trump disliked him a lot more than the people who disliked Biden disliked Biden. Okay, so, so the point where I'm going with this part is this. Here's where I'm going. If you're an anarchy guy, and right now, if I'm not mistaken, you're still, are you in New York or you're not in New York? Where, I, I'm still in Brooklyn. I'm moving to Austin. You're moving to Austin. You've been moving to Austin because Austin gives you a little bit more feeling of what you're looking for over New York or what? I'm moving, I'm moving for, there's moving anywhere when you've been somewhere all your life is a very complex issue with lots of factors. I agree. Number one, uh, the fact that all my friends are there, the fact that one of my dreams was as a New Yorker was to have a townhouse. Cause that's when you're like, you've really made it. You have a New York townhouse. Austin has townhouses. I just learned. And they're a third the price. So it's like, why am I, New York has gotten very, very bad. It's only going to get worse. There's no mechanism for turning the ship around in the near future. And I was on uh, Lauren Chen's show. She's a Canadian pundit. And she had she, her dad had cancer. And under Canada's healthcare system during COVID, he couldn't even get like a, like seen for like a year. It was something absolutely crazy. And she, you know, sometimes someone will say a line and it's just matter of fact and casual, but it like it breaks your brain. And she just said to me, why am I funding my own oppression? And I'm like, holy crap, Lauren. And I'm like, why am I staying here and working hard and it's dirty and none of my friends are here and all the stores are like to have been closed down and I'm paying a lot of taxes. What have I got to show for it? You know, given the kind of careers you and I have and what you talk about in your work, freedom means, you know what, this place sucks, I'm out of here. And that is something I feel very privileged to have. This is something that very few people on earth have and I'm absolutely going to take advantage of it. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, if you're an anarchist, you should live in the woods. It's like, you know, there's Yankee fans who live in Boston. 
uh, it's my highest value, but it's not my only value. Got it. So the idea of, okay, so if it wasn't US and if it wasn't Austin, if it wasn't the States, is there a place where you would say I'd feel good living in XYZ place or no? I, don't, I mean, it's already going to be hard for me moving to Austin. I don't even know how to drive. Well, you're going to have plenty of Uber and Lyft over there to take care of. You don't have to worry about it. You, you, sure, you but I, I want to get a car. For, it'll be cool. I'll get one of those 1980s Cadillacs, which I always wanted as a kid. I'll, I keep it in the garage because it's not going to run, but yeah, I'm going to get 1980s one. 1980s Cadillac. I can see you in that. That's, that's, They're cool. That's, They're so cool. So Bensonhurst. So, you know, you know, Bensonhurst, 44, so 42, so 42, 1978, 1970. So, so you were there, you know, some of the biggest, most powerful mobsters are from that city did you do you have any stories with the mob or no because that's a mob central city you're in well i was five so of course i was hobnobbing with all them no no no. but what i can tell you and i mean even at 10 years old if you were 10 years old that would be 1986 that's still the peak you're talking about sammy oh. carmine there's oh, a lot of guys oh. there Let, uh, they kept the neighborhood very very safe uh people always talk about mafia neighborhoods mafia neighborhoods don't really have much street crime so they kept Bensonhurst very, very safe. What was funny to me as this, the, the big takeaway was when Jersey Shore came out and everyone's like, oh my God, they discovered Guido. So I'm like, I grew up with these people. Like how, how is this like, it's, it would be like having a TV show where you're watching a, a goldfish tank. It's like, uh, this is news to you. This, this is second nature to what I grew up with. So that was kind of the environment, but Bensonhurst has fallen now and it's not Italian anymore. The Italians all went to jail or Jersey that, or Long Island. That is true. But did you have it's still a great neighborhood? Did you have any interactions with them? Did you have no. any stories? Did you, no, any no, no. stories? I was a very sheltered kid. Okay. Got it. So your, your parents, uh, kept you away from all of that oh yes for sure yeah i mean you're in the capital of capital like like it's it, oh yeah yeah i know uh, uh it's it's what southwest brooklyn right is it southwest brooklyn southeast you're thinking of bay ridge or southwest okay, south southeast brooklyn yeah okay got it yeah because i think I can give you a list of names of people that I think came out of there. Okay. Oh, it's a huge list. If you go on the Wikipedia, it's insane. It's a huge list of people that. Those old, the Bronx too, those old ethnic neighborhoods in New York City, the amount of talent that came out of them, uh, people don't even realize. It's just, there's such breeding grounds for, you know, you have the immigrants, then you have the kid who like is talented and now has the opportunity to make something of himself. It's, it's, It's a remarkable American success story. And by the way, this is why I have such contempt for people like de Blasio in Cuomo because every immigrant family who came here and opened a stereotypical laundromat or fruit stand, they were the first ones to lose their lifelong goals and savings. Uh, whereas Target and Walmart are doing just fine. So, so, so I thought for sure you'd be a diehard de Blasio fan. I, I, I thought for sure you'd be like a Cuomo fan. I mean, I thought you'd have like, instead of- They should be in, Gip, they should be in Gitmo. Govern, if you go to governors to Gitmo.com, you can get the shirts. So, so uh, question, I asked this question and I asked it- Wait, I don't understand. How would an anarchist be a fan of a mayor or a governor? It's called sarcasm. And I was hoping you would- It's called, it's called irony and you were bad at it. it. Was, it's called sarcasm and you missed it. So, um, so let me ask you, as far as uh, uh, as far as your biggest concern, I ask this from a lot of people. I said, oh, what, what do you think is your biggest concern? Right now? We got a lot of different things that's going on. You know, we had we went from Obama to Trump to Biden. We go back a year ago, streets, riots, protesting businesses. We're seeing videos of a guy with a, you know, 16, 17 year old running around with an M16. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw some weird stuff in the last 12, 18 oh, months. Sure. Going on. What is your biggest concern today? We have Biden as a president, Kamala as a VP. Trump's been banned. Facebook's not going to return the ban for a couple of years. Twitter's not going to do that. We're in a very interesting time. We're living into the point where you're getting Bill Maher and people like Russell Brand to start. John Stewart is like questioning 
the fact that this was a man-made virus just three months ago, if that would have been said on Stephen Colbert, they would have been banned. Their show would have been banned. But today it's like going back to it. So what do you see as your biggest concern today in America? Those are all wonderful things in this, not all of them. If it's really great, if you have an entity, whether it's a girlfriend, boyfriend, or the media, in, it, can you imagine like you're dating someone and she tells you for a year, baby, I'm loyal, baby, I'm loyal, baby, I'm loyal. And then you find the photographs of her with some dude. She's never going to be able to unring that bell. Even if you guys work it out, that will still always be that this is not the person I thought. This is something she's capable of. So to have the media, which for decades had a monopoly on public discourse in this country until you had talk radio, then you had cable news, to, like starting with CNN, I think in 1980. Uh, now you have social media. When you have these outlets like CNN, Fox, New York Times, insisting that they're telling you the truth with a straight face, and then it all collapses very quickly when Jon Stewart, who's not exactly some kind of alt-right conservative Republican, is saying, here's the thing. Let's suppose John, I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said, but let's suppose he's wrong. The idea that we shouldn't be discussing for future reference, man-made viruses, how we would handle it, what it would look like if it got out is insane. That was what they were having us banned for. And you are never going to be able to regain the trust of the population. You asked me earlier how we get to anarchism. This is how the people who are in positions of ostensible authority demonstrate through their own depravity and malfeasance that not only are they mistaken, which they're going to be, which you're going to be, which I'm going to be a lot, but they don't care and they are going to continue uh, with these uh, mistakes. They're not mistakes. I think they're just blatant lies and shutting down our conversations. It is very, very hard if, you're, if your brand is truth and trust and you've been demonstrated to be dishonest and untrustworthy to get people to return to your brand. I think it's very asymmetric in that regard. How do they, how do they keep existing though? How do they keep- Inertia. Uh, how do they keep existing? How do they keep being around and relevant and still getting the eyeballs that they're getting? Obviously, I know, they're, I know all the numbers, who's down, who's up, all that stuff. How are they still as relevant today? And I'm talking specifically media. Yeah, it's it's inertia. If you look at that friend you just mentioned, the one who gained 80 pounds, I'm just going to use him as shorthand. I don't mean him specifically. But if he's grown up, you know, watching CBS at the dinner table with mom and dad, he's never going to, he doesn't want the choice. He's like, this is something my parents watched. It's innocuous. It's not upsetting me. I am learning information. I am, uh, the person the screen seems very respectable and smart. I'm just going to stick with this for the you know the rest of my life. So for that population, the blue pill people, they're they're not going to change. What I care about are the people from all sides of the political aisle and those of us who reject politics entirely who are capable of critical thought to be like, "Oh, these are really nefarious malevolent actors, the the agencies, and we have to find ways to both mitigate their power and to create alternative paths to information than going through them because at the very least even if they were angels, they're still filtering the information that I might otherwise find of use. And any filter, as, as you have a tech background knows, you're going to be letting in things you don't want, and you're going to be keeping out things that you do, this basic A-B uh, uh, test. So uh, that is something I think that's very healthy. What are signs that you think we're going in the direction of anarchy? What are signs? Um, like people getting sick of it? Like I'll, give you, I'll give you one example. Sure. The fact that this is something I never imagined in a million years. You know, like if you sat me down in 2018 and gave me a list of 10 
um, which would you pick and rank them in order, this would be number 10 by far. The fact that conservatives are now skeptical of the police is something I would have thought three years ago was unimaginable. And now you see, uh, the, I've never seen any group on any issue shift as quickly and violently as conservatives who I thought were a lost cause after what they saw in 2020 are like, wait a minute, these cops aren't necessarily my friends, they're taking orders from the state, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. And, and who are you seeing saying that? Conservatives all over social media. Who? It's shocking. Who? What do you mean who? Give me names, who? Uh, the people at the Federalist, people who are just average citizens. Uh, you see it on uh, the Daily Wire. I mean, these are like really mainstream drank the Kool-Aid places in many cases. Conservatives that are saying that the police is controlled by the government and they're not worried about the police? Conservatives? No, they saying? are. They are worried about the police. Before it used to be back the blue that the cops are your friends, they have a tough job. Now you see things like in Belgium, an old man in a public park getting beaten on the head with a baton yeah. by a cop on horseback, it becomes very hard to defend. And that's another big difference, by the way, you asked earlier about a Russian upbringing versus an American. Uh, the idea that cops are heroic is almost exclusively an American concept. It's, it's, it simply doesn't exist uh, in Eastern Europe. So, so you partially are uh, uh, in uh, favor of defunding the police. I'm in favor of abolishing the government police monopoly. Uh, defunding the police seems like it could be cause a lot of problems because you're the same police who make the population disarmed are also not going to be doing anything to uh, um, prevent the crimes that they're fomenting. So you end up getting the worst of both worlds. Yeah, last thing here before we wrap up, voting. Oh. You've never voted. Tell me why. I have voted. I don't believe in voting. Okay. I read somewhere that says you never voted. I don't know where I read that said you never voted. So tell me, tell me why you don't believe in voting. Uh, I don't think anyone has the right to represent me other than on a specific issue or a certain context, like my accountant or my lawyer or my doctor. You don't. And remember you said earlier, the first thing you asked me goes, can you give me the elevator pitch for anarchism? I said, you do not speak for me. There you go. Donald Trump does not speak for me. Joe Biden does not speak for me. Uh, Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio do not speak for me, no matter how wonderful people they each individual may be or how bright, which is saying something. And how the hell, like, so So you uh, you don't work for anybody. You have your own, you're, 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 you're an independent contract, I'm assuming, right? Right, and right. You get paid through the books you write, the speaking engagements you do, the invitations you get. That's how you're making your money currently right now, right? Right. Right. Okay. So, so, so interesting. So in a, in an environment of building a company, building a business in a anarchy environment, how do you see the structure of a business? Do you see the same exact way where there shouldn't be a CEO, president, CFO? CEO? No, I think it would. I don't know if it would be the same exact way because yeah. you would have the market would have innovation. And right now, you know, what we have is you have many different structures for businesses. So there's not absolutely in a free uh, society, you would have different types of business, different structures. What I would bet is that there would be a lot less of HR, uh, you know, having control and putting forth the regime's ideas into every corporation. I don't disagree because I do think sometimes uh, too much of the regulation is getting in the way of uh, running uh, businesses. I see that every day myself. But it's not only the regulations that the people in HR are usually very mediocre people. And this is their chance to kind of promulgate their ideology into an unsuspecting you know, population. There's a, there's a part of it that I'll tell you what what uh, what happened yesterday. Yesterday, I went to get my global entry card. I don't know if you've gotten yeah. yours or not. I've not. Yeah. So I had it for 10 years and then boom, I missed an appointment. My Somehow, some way I missed the appointment. 
We paid everything, boom. Took a year for me to get it. So I haven't had my TSA pre four years. So yesterday I'm driving up there to go get it done. Now I'm- Wait, I gotta, I gotta interrupt, yeah. I'm sorry. Do you think it's reasonable to wait a year for something like this? Are you kidding me? Like you have to wait for me to make my point. So. So rather than being a dictator, give me a minute here. Let me explain myself. Come on. But I want to be a dictator. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I, maybe just tell us you want to dictate us on what to do. And I think secretly inside, that's what you want. But but so I go to TSA Pre. My assistant calls. She said, hey, Pat, I talked to them. They're really being very annoyed with me. I'm like, let me just see what happens here. I'm 20 minutes late. I walk in. Are you Bet David? I am. Yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry for being late. Why are you late? Why did you, she's berating me, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. Let me tell you what happened. I don't care what happened. Come here. I can't believe we even take, you're lucky we're taking you. So at this point, in my mind, I'm going to, I have two options. I can sit there and snap at this woman and give her all the argument that I got. And I still have to go to clear only, and I can do clear and TSA pre. I probably want TSA pre because there's a lot of benefits to it. And if I go online and I complain on Yelp about what they did at Global Entry, who the hell gives a shit? Nobody does, right? So I go in and I'm sitting there. This lady is disrespecting me nonstop. I go to the other lady. Why'd you miss your appointment? Why'd you? So the second lady now says, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Here you go. You almost feel like you have to apologize because there's no level of accountability. At the end, I'm like, I'm leaving. I said, ma'am, I I tell you, uh, she says, make sure in five years you don't miss your appointment. I said, ma'am, in five years. I promise you I'll be here on time and I look forward to seeing you. You will never see me here again. I'm like, okay, are you like leaving this job or something? No, if I know you're coming, I'm intentionally not going to come then. I'm like, well, this just crossed the line right now. I'm like, okay, no problem. Hey, thank you so much. All the best. And I walk in. I'm like, I'm just walking out of this place before they change their minds. I've done the fingerprinting, everything. I leave and I say, this is exactly why no one in the government ever gives you good service because they don't have to. Who the hell did Kim Jong, this was an issue actually in North Korea. Kim Jong Il was complaining about this, but let's look a different way. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying this this woman wouldn't exist in a free society. Yeah. What I'm saying is, just like your credit score, you would have five, three agencies that could clear Pat to go on the planes. They would probably be more stringent than the TSA because their reputation, they're competing, yeah. so they want to make sure yeah. that they I'm don't let Mohammed Atta through. And how many times have people gone to a restaurant or a hairdresser? or a bookstore and yeah. been spoken to like that by a fellow adult, especially, and and here's the thing that's most important, you knew damn well there's nothing you can do. Nothing. If my waiter talks to me like that, my hairdresser, oh. the book, I I could talk to their boss, exactly. I, at least I could go carry on them. Absolutely. But when it's a government monopoly, right. you have no outlet. Now, what happens when you have a cop who doesn't want to investigate? Or, or any other situation, you have no yeah. options. Where if you had competing security, at the very least, yeah. you would have people treat you as a customer with a modicum of civility and respect. Here's the thing she could have said, here, here's something she could have said very easy to you that you would have liked. You know what? I'm trying to do a hard job. There's a lot of people here. It's pretty disrespectful that you showed up late. And you'd be like, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then it, then it'll be a perfectly fine uh, situation. She's getting off. Because this very, very low status piece of crap is now in a position of power over somebody, and she's going to flex that power to the ultimate of her ability. You talked about your uncle. You just met her. That is your uncle, the hypothetical uncle. Now she's in a position of power. So what I want to do is to not have her have a monopoly and therefore limit, although I can't eliminate it, can't make her cease to exist, her capacity 
you're it's it ruined your day so much you're still thinking about it you know, and for crazy. what you showed up late and here's my here's my opinion. and you're paying her here's my opinion my opinion is on the flip side, jail. the same thing would happen anarchy no. same thing would happen you know it's not true but tell me every other industry where what other industry I, have you been spoken I, to like that i don't i don't on the customer service side yes you're 100 right but on the okay so let me ask you this question what do you think about laws of monopoly what do you no, think no, no 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 you're, you're shifting goalposts I'm not you shifting just said for you. You, on the you flip just, side yes you did you just made a claim you said under anarchy this would be the same it thing. would be the, so i'm, under, I'm under, asking I'm, under anarchy on. i'm gonna answer hold it to on. you I didn't finish asking my question. Go for it. What other industry, which is currently not a government monopoly, have you been spoken to like that with any kind of regularity, if at all? If the business has a monopoly, they can do that. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Let me explain to you. I, I allowed you to finish. So here's my- uh, You didn't answer me. Give I me an example. If you allow me to answer that, okay. I'll tell you. If Go I'm ahead. in an area, if I'm, I've lived all over, I've, I've been in every state in America, 40 states in America I've been. I lived in the army. I've been all over the place. I've lived in 20 okay. different places in my lifetime. If I'm in an area where I'm in a dry county where there's only one sure. liquor store and I'm 40 miles away and I know if I don't get the beer from this guy, he can jerk me around and say, screw you. You don't want to go drive the 40 miles. Sure, in sure. Those types of situations, I've experienced that. Now, again, it's, 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 it's going to be 90% more times on the government type of a setting than this would be. But I think on the one law, like on this guy who has a monopoly in that area, what am I going to say? I'm going to say, you know what? You're right, man. I just want the beer. I'm going to charge you a dollar more. No problem. I'm going to buy this beer from me because I don't have any other choice. I got to buy it from you. That you do have a choice. My only choice is what? What is my choice? You have Seamless, and then you don't have to interact with him in the future. You're right. But if I live close to him and the closest other place is 40 miles away, who the hell wants to drive that 40 miles away? He's got you don't have to drive 40 miles away. You hire someone to go to the beer store for you. So you get the beer and you don't have to deal if with the I interaction. I have the resources. You're assuming it's sure. going to have the resources. If you have enough money to buy beer, you have enough money to pay five that's bucks fair. for someone to get it no, for you. That's not going to be five bucks. That gas is going to be a lot more. And, and especially in that environment. He's not going to the 40 mile place. He's going to the one close to you. He's going to the one close to me. You there's this let's pretend let's hold on. This is the only liquor store on earth. Yeah, but but a guy, okay, a, let, guy on, a guy who has let, that kind of an attitude, a guy who has, a guy who has that kind of an attitude, he's got that attitude towards everybody, not just me. Just like this lady at PSA Pre, she's got that kind of an attitude towards everybody. What I'm saying is let's suppose this is the only liquor store on earth, right? You could if you want that beer, but you don't want to deal with this a-hole, you hire someone to go to the store across the street buy you the beer and deliver it to you. That peace of mind is worth to you more than it is the amount of exchange it would be to hire that person. You don't have that option with the government monopoly. You have to go in person and look yeah. at that woman in the face. You have no to about that. have that interaction. Whereas with Seamless or any other innovation, you have the option, even if he has a no. monopoly on the entire planet of not dealing with that individual. You're speaking to the crowd. I mean, this, this is a... I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent. I'm a free enterprise guy there. And I'm a hundred percent there with you. I do fully agree with that. My only concern. And, and one more thing in all seriousness, yeah. it, it depends on the size of the, of the uh, location, of course, but no one would dispute that if there's a big enough population and there's one liquor store and the guy's really a piece of crap and there's another liquor store where they make it a good experience. That is one very easy way to compete. It is. And probably what would end up leading happening is over the next year, two years, three years, somebody's eventually going to want to open up a shop to compete with the guy and put him out of business 
and become the great equalizer. You're right. I or he'll hire or he'll hire a hot chick because it's annoying for him dealing with the beer people and be like, you know what? I'm just going to own this business. You deal with these late people. Yeah, but eventually you have to know that anybody that's got a, the monopoly laws, the monopoly laws on the businesses. When a guy gets too powerful, it is very tough to compete with somebody when they get too much money and they're too powerful. That would be a concern if someone has way too much power because. They can gobble up, you know, I get a call one time from FTC, one of the insurance technology companies that's getting very big. They're about to buy out the last one. If they buy it, they control the marketplace. You don't have a choice. The guy was negotiating with me for the longest time from the standpoint of everybody uses this software. I'm the only one in town. The license costs you half a million dollars. And per user, you have to pay this much money. He's telling me this. What do I do? Again, this is a point back to you. The point is I go to the smaller guy. I said, I'm not yep. coming to you because I'm going to go to the smaller guy. When I go to the smaller guy, his software isn't as good as this guy. He doesn't have the kind of support that he has. He cannot do it as fast as this guy does. He cannot do any of that stuff. Guess what happens five years later? This guy ends up buying this guy, right? FTC calls me and says, hey, we're buying this guy. What do you want to do about it? I'm like, I'm not even getting on this call. They talked to my executive team. Eventually, the FTC prevented this sale from happening. If he does gobble them up, Michael, I'm in the world of business every day. I mean, I don't have any leverage on negotiations with, the, with this guy anymore. He's winning. The reason this is a situation is because these giant corporations lobby and work with the state to create extremely high barriers to entry in terms of sure. competition. So in that a free society, part. that is one. Part. Yeah, that is one. Yeah. It's a major part. It is. And it's and it, in a free society where it would be much easier to enter any any field, this would not tend to happen. What you're discussing is a historical fallacy. There's never been a case where one business gobbled up every other because let's suppose I want to gobble a Bitcoin, for example. As soon as I buy some or as soon as I buy a company, the ones who are left are going to be worth that much more and it becomes asymptotic. So even if you have someone who has 5% in the market, if this guy is charging uh, so-called monopoly rates of half a million and I'm charging 250,000 and some loss of functionality, I'm still carving a space for myself in the market. Yeah, in a, in a, in a uh, so, so the challenge with a lot of these arguments, Michael, is we only paint the picture of a perfect world. Then none of this is perfect. I'm saying yeah. he has less functionality and cheaper. That's not perfect. I do agree. It is less functionality and cheaper. You're right. And the, the company- How is that perfect? Uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's perfect. It's it, There's still going to be the people who are, my experience, I'm kind of, out of coming out of high school and I'm going yeah. in my life to, to kind of choose what I want to do in my life. I had friends of mine who were driven by power. I had yeah. friends of mine who were driven by, dude, leave me alone. Don't bother. I had friends of mine that were yep. like, you better do this. I'm like, dude, what is the matter with you? And just relax, kick back. So I had friends of mine that went into the space of wanting to impose power to you. That was their way of controlling you. You better do this because, you know, I'm yep. doing this. I'm, okay, great. And then there were some friends like, well, just kind of leave me alone. I'm going to go make my millions. Don't bother me. I'm going to live my own life. For whatever reason, these guys despise these guys. Sure. For whatever reason, these guys are not a fan of these guys that make the money. Now, let me flip it. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. And just, again, give me your argument on this one. Destroy my argument on wherever I'm going here. So okay. this guy and this guy are not the same people, right? Right. This right. guy's power comes from what? A very powerful institution above him called the government, right? Right. Now, watch what happens to this guy. He is like, leave me alone. Let me go live my life. But this guy's going to have four kids. 
one of his kids is going to become extremely lazy. Let's just say I'm just throwing it out there. Sure, one of sure. his kids is like, do you know who my dad is? Do you know who my dad is? Same role. There's almost like a government mentality. Do you know who my father is? Do you know what I could do to you like that type, type of an environment? Sure. This guy ends up dying. He's worth 100 million bucks. 25, 25, 25, 25. 25 is given to one guy who has the same personality as this guy. Now they're equals. They're the same. They're not equals. They're, they're not equals in a sense of attitude. Like they're both driven by power. They're not equals. But the attitude and the mindset of you better or else. It's that you better or else mentality. When people like those who are driven by power get money and they have the you better or else mentality, I think history tells us they have a tendency of destroying a lot of things. What are your thoughts? Okay. You work with very many successful people. I do. I, I can't. It is hard for me to wrap my head around the claim that if someone inherits $25 million, they're really in a position to do much of anything. That's not that much money uh, in terms of changing it's society. Not zero to it. it's, it's not about the, I'm not fine. I'm fine. Let's suppose 250, let's suppose 250 million. The point is no matter how much money. Billion. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. We can go to trillions yeah. at, at a certain point, this becomes a problem, but let's suppose okay. Bill there you Gates. Go. I agree. Let's suppose Bill Gates. Bill Gates has very limited power to impose his will on the population. He gets his power because he's selling a product that people are comfortable buying. If he behaved in depraved ways, I don't mean just political abuse people dislike, but just really kind of six Harvey Weinstein, he will be not only driven out of his industry, but my biggest concern is the status quo where Bill Gates can get the president on the phone in a second and that person has armies, has the FTC. He has all of the Senate at his disposal because lobbyists cost him nothing. So all of these things the that you're describing, yeah, well, all these things you're describing as a concern are a concern in any society. When you have rich, powerful people and they want to impose their will on everybody else, how do you prevent it? And for me, my answer is the best way to prevent it is to decentralize power as much as possible so that the malevolent Bill Gates can't just seize that one institution. Yeah. Here's the thing. If he bought the New York Times tomorrow, he will have influence. He will have relevance. He's still not going to be a Hitler or a Stalin, not even close. If he was elected president, he still wouldn't be a Hitler or a Stalin, not even close, yeah. or a senator or a Supreme Court judge. No individual in a free society has anywhere near the power of a dictator, even if in a small shithole country. We, we are on the same page there, coming from a guy who lived in Iran for 10 years. Of course. Lived in Germany at a refugee camp for two years, having been in the U.S. military and seen a bunch of different people. I don't disagree. I think monopolies are a byproduct of the help of a government. It's very hard to have it without it. And we all know what happened when a lot of these bigger companies decided to choose their headquarters. For whatever reason, they all choose headquarters near D.C., DMV, you know, Virginia, because that allows them to buy lobbyists and all this other stuff. And they don't have a choice. Yeah, my, my, Because if, if if I don't hire lobbyists, my competitors will, and they're going to write the rules. Yeah, and, they're like, and, well, and I don't blame them. Yeah, and you'll hear them say things like, I think we need to raise taxes. I'm like, what happened? How come you're, oh, because they're not worried about taxes. They're worried about laws, regulation. They're willing to support uh, politicians increasing the taxes because they're barely paying taxes. They don't take money out of the world. They've already made their money, but a two or three additional laws gives them so much power over everybody. You but also right. they want, they want the taxes to be raised because if I'm starting out and I don't have that much capital in the bank, yep. it's going to be a lot harder for me for that first year to muddle through. Whereas if I've got my bank yep. and I pay that 1%, which I don't even have to pay because I have a good accountant, it's it's win-win for me. And I get to be the good guy. We talked about it today on the podcast where Buffett is like, I'm not paying enough taxes. I'm like, dude, 
Forget about it. Go ahead, write the check. You're you're saying it at 89 years old, you know, your age, your late 80s. Why don't you say that at 14 years old when you wanted to be the best investor of all time, rather than saying that as an 18, 89 year old, like you're hurting it for the other guys to want to come up and compete. Anyways. And also you could pay more if you want. You could, you don't have have to pay the minimal tax. You have the choice. Absolutely. You have the choice to do. Michael, I've enjoyed it. We went 90 minutes. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed getting deeper into that uh, uh, crazy, wild, crystal clear in your own mind brain. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again, buddy. Appreciate you. I I hope people uh, go to anarchisthandbook.com and hear about it at length instead of my off the cuff. But this was a lot of fun. I'm going to put the link to your book and your website below and they can go find you there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pat. Take care. Anarchy, do you believe in it? Do you think it could work? You sounded very convincing. Or do you think it's got to be a small little region where they're everybody that's kind of living together, they share common values and principles? But even with that, would somebody eventually become way too ambitious to say, I feel I should be leading this entire place and convince others to do so? I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. Comment below. And if you enjoyed these two interviews, I got two others that you may enjoy. One of them is with Yarum Brook, the former chairman of Ayn Rand Institute, which was similar dialogue or with John Perkins, former economic hitman. Yes, he was an economic hitman going to countries, negotiating with the leader of that country, and then eventually taking over territory, oil, or other things. If you enjoy that kind of conversation, click over here. And if you've not subscribed to the channel, please do so. Thanks for watching, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.